And good evening. Welcome to Couch Potato Radio here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Thanks so much for being with us on this Tuesday evening. We got the Wild tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. Following that, the full State of the Union address from President Trump right after the postgame show. But we'll take you up to the pregame show of the Wild at 645 by talking with Ryan O'Halloran. West Fargo native, works for the Denver Post and was at the Super Bowl. How you been? Good time. Long time no see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good joining you again, Derek. And uh, like the last time we, we, we spoke, uh, the Broncos were folding like a cheap tent against the Vikings back in November. <laughs> well, I was just going to bring that up. You and I got to finally meet in person at U.S. Bank Stadium in the press box. And I think we were at halftime, and it was just a debacle for the Vikings, right? I mean, Von Miller was all over Kirk Cousins, and then second half comes around, and there's four uh, four straight drives for the Vikings scoring 28 points. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I thought they, I thought the Broncos were in trouble at several points, but the first one was they could have put the game away at the end of the first half there with that red zone, but they threw an interception. Yep. Then they got a little cute, and you know, the, it was one of those – you know, the, the Broncos had another come from ahead loss. That's the reason they went seven and nine instead of nine and seven or ten and six. Yeah, and and it was weird as a Viking fan. Like this never happens, right? This is usually the other way around. So I think that's what a lot of people are thinking around here. That how can this actually happen? And it was one of those moments where you thought it was the first moment of the season. I thought, well, this is really where uh, Kirk Cousins is going to establish himself. Well, instead, it didn't really work out. The second time was the uh, overtime drive against New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, and that, I mean that's, I mean that's that that was the drive of his life. He made that great throw uh, to Thielen down to the goal line, and but I was, you know, as a you know Vikings observer, I was really disappointed in, in the offense against San Francisco. The 49ers defense is fast and deep and physical, but. Um, I thought it was a way too conservative game plan. They didn't do enough things to get Diggs and Thielen and Rudolph involved. And I thought that the San Francisco game set them back, even though they did make it to the divisional round. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I don't know how you read. I think after the 49ers ran all over the Vikings and then the Packers, which improved their defense all season long, I think a lot of us felt, especially when it was, what, 20-10 to 10, in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, going, well, they just lost to the best team in the NFL, and then Patrick Mahomes happened. I mean, it's just weird how you look back on it and your perspective of everything, especially after playoff time. Yeah, and you know, Mahomes is a nuclear weapon, but he looked off for like three quarters and change. Uh, but you know, I think the 49ers are going to look back at that saying, okay, you know, up, you know, up, um, up three, you run on first down, get five, set up a second and five. Okay, run it on second down because you've proven you can get that. Okay, then you go pass, pass, you run less than a minute off the clock. And uh, I, I think Kyle Shanahan would want a couple of this, those decisions back, including the end of the first half. Well, this is the second time, and we'll get to that part of it, but you know, on a second and five passing the ball, it reminded me of uh, when, was it Freeman was running all over the Patriots and it was 28-3 to three and then boom, a tip ball goes to the interception, I do believe. I mean, I'm trying to go back in time here. But, you know, I'm yeah. getting that. I mean, the way that they were able to run the ball the past couple of playoff games and not to give it to Mostert enough, especially when you're trying to kill out the clock to hold up the Lombardi trophy, I, th- I thought that was odd. Yeah, and it, the Mostert thing is interesting because – you know, he did whatever he wanted against the Packers, set a franchise record 220 yards, I believe. 
It was like he was suspended for the first quarter, like he skipped class or something <laughs> in the Super Bowl. You know, hey, maybe like, he okay, did. I don't you, know. Yeah. Yeah. What are you waiting for? I mean, Tevin Coleman was playing basically, you know, with a separated shoulder, and Mostert just runs at a different level. They didn't do enough things to get Kittle involved. Um, and you know, Debo Samuel as a rookie was their best player on offense. Yeah, it was a, just a bizarre game plan, I think, and I think most of America thinks that, especially when you're trying to kill the clock, and it's the second time that he's done that. You mentioned the before the half. I mean, I'm guessing a lot of uh, the guys up in the press box at, at halftime are going, what the heck was going on there? I made the joke yesterday, I used the analogy, as there's no such thing as being a little bit pregnant. So you're either going to go for it or you're not, right? You run the ball twice, don't use your timeouts, and then you throw the deep ball. What, what do you want to do here? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Kyle almost backed his way into a field goal there, that you know, which he didn't deserve, and ultimately it's a ticky tack OPI on Kittle. But you know, you don't call t- you don't call timeout after Kansas City's failed third down. Um, okay, that's a sign you don't trust your quarterback. But then what he says after the game, why well, don't want to give the ball back to Mahomes? Well, why the hell don't you trust your defense? Yeah, they were right. pretty good the whole you know the last you know eight nine weeks, if not the whole season. Then okay, now you're down twenty four twenty. And you run, you run two plays before the two-minute warning, and that was 39 seconds. I mean, they, they, have a, they have a first down play, which they get, and then they just they plotted along, they huddled, then they had a false start. Um, it, it was either a stunning lack of awareness or a stunning lack of urgency because at the end of the first half, there's your chance to do the New England double dip, get a field goal, get the ball back to start the second half. And I thought that was a missed opportunity. And as John Lynch uh, was uh, seen calling timeout from the luxury box, he would agree. Yeah, exactly. Ryan O'Halloran with us from the uh, Denver Post NFL beat writer, certainly for the Broncos has been one uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, a West Fargo native. And you mentioned that. I think you, there was a little bit of grumbling with Shanahan about the officials and that offensive pass interference, as you mentioned. But I think for the most part, I liked how the game was officiated. I, I I think anything egregious was called, but for the most part, they let them play, unlike what we see in September every year with the point of emphasis on things. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you know, teams don't get to this point with by being penalty prone. Um, so usually you get a clean game. Generally, they want to keep the flag in their pocket unless it's blatant. I mean, the pass interference uh, uh, that was uh, on more on Kelsey, that was a no-brainer in the end zone, even though it was an underthrown pass. The, the Kittle OPI could have gone either way. But after that, I mean, Garoppolo got hit by the sideline, but he was in the field of play. You know, I, I thought it was a pretty clean game. And, you know, and they, in, in, in all the, the third quarter, what you're waiting for as the game winds down is you're waiting for an officiating debacle. And right. it never arrived, which was good. No, that's exactly right. I mean, that's the one thing that you don't need. You don't need to have the whole offseason talked about, like the pass interference call with the Saints and Rams two years ago. That is and, for sure. Yeah, and I thought, excuse me, Derek, I thought Bill Vinovich, the referee, did a good job just on the coin flip because Kansas City must not have heard it because they said, we're going to kick. Um, they must have thought they won it. And Bill, you know, Bill looked at him and says, okay, you lost the toss. You want the ball, right? So. I think from then on, it was, a, it was a good night for the officiating crew. Yeah, no question. A few other things I thought were interesting about the game because, you know, San Francisco's front four, obviously they can get in a quarterback's head. They did against Kirk Cousins. Heck, they did against a, a first ballot Hall of Famer with Aaron Rodgers. And for three quarters, they did against this new phenom with Patrick Mahomes. The difference was that this young man was able to uh, recover and win the game. And it's amazing 
his play that he made, and I know a lot of 49ers fans think that there was holding on that call, and there probably was. I mean, that's just the, the nature of the beast in the NFL. But usually turnovers can swing a game. Here was a 40-some yard pass, right? I mean, that was, that's when everything turned for the Chiefs. Yeah, and, you know, it was a play they were keeping in their pocket. And, you know, San Francisco for that long did, did such a good job of keeping everything in front of them. But all it takes is a safety thinking it's a post when actually it's a post corner. And it wasn't a, you know, greatly thrown ball, but it's, uh, you know, they just, you know, the Chiefs needed just that kind of spark. They needed that kind of chunk play. And, you know, Andy Reid said after the game that they wanted to take some shots in the first half, but Eric Fisher couldn't block Nick Bosa. Yeah. And so that, that prevented some stuff. And I think, I think the front four for the 49ers, it looked like, they just looked like they're gasped a little bit uh, because on those last two drives, they did not get even close to getting home at all. Oh, you're right. Well, they're, they're I and mean, that's such. This is what the college football coach has been doing for what the last ten years is trying to get to almost seventy plays, and the the Chiefs are almost there. I mean, that does make a difference. Time of possession doesn't matter; it's how many plays they want now. Yeah, and, and I thought then on the um, had to be the winning drive. They hit Watkins against Sherman down the right sideline. Right. You know, Richard is a lot of things at this stage of his career. He cannot run with a guy like Watkins. So. You know, what was the coverage there? I thought they might have played a little bit of a high-low to keep Sammy, but you got to also count for Tyreek Hill. And ultimately, that's why I picked the Chiefs going into the game is I didn't think for the 49ers have a great pass rush, but I didn't think they had enough answers on the back end for Watkins, for Hill, for Kelsey, for uh, Hardman, who got banged up a little bit. So, And eventually, they were able to break through and get those those, uh, explosive plays. Ryan O'Halloran with us from the Denver Post. He is a beat writer for the Broncos. Previously with the Jaguars, been doing it for a long time, a West Fargo native. Let me ask you a little bit about, you know, obviously everyone was happy for Andy Reid. Certainly looked like Patrick Mahomes was. So I thought it was an interesting dichotomy there. You have a longtime coach who finally got a ring, and now you have a 24-year-old kid who you could argue is going to be the face of the NFL, which would be a good thing, I think, right? I mean, if he can be like – the Michael Jordan here of the NFL, because we haven't had a lot of that. We've had good quarterbacks kind of mixed in with Brady and Manning and, you know, Elway and Montana and all that, but not one that's just the guy, right? Like we talk about in basketball many times, but I think he could be that that type of person. Yeah, he's awesome. And, you know, fortunate to see him play in person three times this year. And first one, he got hurt, but second time in the snow, he just, you know, he did enough things to you know win handily, but, Patrick Mahomes is going to be your first $40 million a year player. I would put a five-year, $200 million offer on the table right now and say, let's lock him up. Wow. And that can help your cap management for other guys. What I wrote about today's paper, two things. One is Andy Reid has shown an ability to evolve with the, with the, with the, how the game has changed. He, he drafted McNabb in 99. He resurrected Vic in 2010. He had Alex Smith, his first quarterback in Kansas City. And now he, you know, the Chiefs had the foresight to trade up 17 spots from 27 to 10 to get Mahomes. You know, people are saying, well, he was overlooked. He still went 10th overall. I mean, enough teams <laughs> knew about him. The Chiefs were just proactive there. And, you know, the other thing that's going to help the Chiefs is there is so much quarterback uncertainty in the AFC right now. Out of 16 teams, I count only seven teams right now that know who their locked-in week one starter is under contract. Everybody else is going to draft a guy. Their guys are free agent. They're going to have a camp competition. So, you know, the Chiefs have an opportunity to seize to seize something here. But this is, you know, this is a tough league. Everybody thought the Rams were next next team up 
and they they turtled a little bit this year. But you know, one thing the Chiefs really have one key free agent. That's Chris Jones. None of those franchise take them. Everybody else should remain intact, depending on how they feel they 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 played this year. So if I'm the Chiefs, I look at 2020 as not so much a last dance with this group, but hey, just build on it, keep the team together before you have to make some tough decisions. And Chris Jones, you're talking the guy who knocked down like every other pass. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought that you could argue that he was the MVP. I mean, think how many downs he burned for the 49ers on that. Yeah, that or Damian Williams, right? Um, uh, you know, also had cases for that. You know, Chris Jones had, you know, he missed the Houston game with a calf injury, was semi limited playtime against Tennessee, so that extra two weeks really helped him. I mean, he looked like he was, you know, a dynamite uh, throughout the game. We mentioned Mahomes, how the you know the Andy Reid took a chance on him, and I'll say this as a Viking fan: I'm glad the Bears decided to go with Trubisky, right? I mean, because I'm sure the cover, the fans of the team that you cover are not looking forward to having this guy possibly locked up for a long time in the AFC West. Yeah, and Mark Kizlar, our columnist who who is with me at the game, he started his column in my newspaper. Denver, we have a problem, and, <laughs> just, oh, and it's absolutely right, and. You know, basically what John always said here with the Broncos the day after the season is we gotta do we have to have a mindset of how do you catch the Chiefs? They scored one touchdown in two games against them this year. And okay, is that loading up on corners and linebackers to stop them? Is it adding skill players and offense to keep up with their offense? You know, that should be the mindset of the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers in this division this this offseason is what do they need to do? to be more competitive against the Chiefs. Maybe not win the division, but split them, split two games with them and see if you can get into that wild card conversation. Yeah, well, it's interesting now the Broncos fans can understand what everyone else in the AFC West thought of uh, John Elway all those years. And heck, as Viking fans, we've put up with three decades of Favre and now uh, <laughs> hey, Rod. So, Rogers, yeah, yeah, that's just kind of the way it, it goes, I, I guess, sometimes. Uh, you've This is what was your seventh Super Bowl you covered, you said? Uh, my 11th. Your eleventh, wow! Yeah. I mean, where does this rank? Because you've seen some good ones. Were you at the? You know, everyone talks about the Steelers Cardinals game. I still think one of the best I've ever seen was John Elway getting his first, just because of the back and forth affair. I'm, sure, you know, Broncos fans that was their first, so they love that one. Yeah. But I mean, I thought, where does this one rank for you? Because it was really, it was an okay game the first three quarters, but boy, what a finish! Yeah, okay, put it mildly. The game sucked for three half quarters. Yeah, right. And, and it just wasn't. There was nothing going on. This game, to me, overall ranks you know pretty low on my list. Um, you know, uh, Patriots Falcons overtime that's going to be number one. Patriots Seahawks probably be number two, and then sound like a broken record here. Patriots Giants meeting one with yeah. eighteen and zero. Uh, that would probably be my top three right now. You know, Steelers Cardinals was good. That 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 game picked up at the end, like like Forty uh, ers Chiefs did. True. So. It, uh, it, you know, it was, a, it was, I watched the game last night and this morning to see what I missed, which was pretty much everything. And, you know, it, both teams are sort of spinning their wheels for different parts of the game before, before the fourth quarter. As far as that, do you guys sit and watch the halftime? Cause you know, I've been a part of it. Usually it's a feedback at halftime or whatever, but the halftime show everyone was talking about was very uh, risque That's for some people. I mean, for me, I don't like lip syncing, but I thought it was okay. I mean, how does that go? Cause it's such a long halftime. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they put as soon as it's, you know when the halftime starts, they put 29 minutes on the clock. Um, we're we were sealed in that press box. I couldn't hear a thing. Oh, okay. um, 
so I was basically going on Twitter just to see how it was. We had a, you know, we had the television on delay with no sound. So that's the, uh, that's the other part of uh, being in there. So it, uh, and you, you don't really see the commercials. You don't, t- you don't really see a lot of replays. The Fox, the Fox TV feed was at least a 30 second delay for the country. 30 you know, minimum because the Fox would be showing one play live and the next play would already be happening. Yeah. So that, that happens that made it sometimes. Tough to, like, yeah. Follow the broadcast. Yeah, for sure. That is a little tough sometimes. You, that even happens on the regular season sometimes. I know when I'm at US Bank Stadium, so it's a little annoying sometimes. I'd like it to be maybe 10 seconds so you can see the replay, but <laughs> it's a, not, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. yeah, that's what they do well in Denver. Is it's probably about a five or six or seven delays, so you can watch the play, write it down, look at the replay, or look at the live feed, and that, that's the ideal one. But I think U.S. Bank might have been maybe simultaneous too, right? They they have one that's like live, and then the other one's the TV feed that's really delayed. It's odd. I mean, it's like every other TV's that way. So this is really inside baseball for people. It's just kind of it's a weird perspective. Well, and First for world problem, yes, exactly. Well, and I think for. You know, like a lot of people like to listen to Paul Allen. I'm sure you guys have this, you know, with Logan in Denver too. But it's so the radio is so ahead of the TV, and you try to sync it up sometimes, and so that gets a little bit tough. That's why it's something that we really deal with here too. Yeah, and you know, I listen to Dave uh, when I'm at the home games, and that's simultaneous. And I'll I'll give Paul Allen credit. I, yeah, I listened to him live during Broncos Vikings. I thought he called it a great game because him and Versus during that first half were pulling no punches. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. like. They got. They got to wake up. They got to pick it up. Then they got excited toward the end. But you know what I'm looking for is down at distance and tackle. And IPA does a good job at that. Yeah, no question. Final thing for you. There's a lot of talk with the new collective bargaining agreement about 17 games. I mean, sometimes I know these owners want more money, but I'm a really if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. I I I think it's fine at 16 in the playoff format they have. What do you, what what say you on that? Well, um, you know if they go to the 17 and three. I'm I'm for every I'm for anything that reduces the preseason because it's become such a farce and a joke um, that if they want to add a 17th game, it's okay. You expand the roster by one or two players, which you should. Uh, that'll obviously impact the salary cap because there's an extra week of TV revenue. Um, you know the players, you know, are gonna you know, say, "Hey, show me the money in terms of a 17th game," which I know the owners will do. I would be in favor of a 17 and three format. I like the playoff system as it is because there's there should be value in winning your division. I don't care if you have a worse record. If you win your division, you should get a home playoff game. Yeah. You should also, if the top two teams, if you go twelve and four in our second best year conference, you have to incentive you have to make it worth getting a buy for. And uh, you work hard all that season, you maybe play late just to get that buy it means you're only two wins away from the Super Bowl. So. If they come up with a seventeen, a three-game preseason, seventeen regular season, the same playoff format, I think that's, I think that's uh, good. Very good, very interesting. Hey, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Fun perspective. I, I'm glad that we'll have to do this every year. If hopefully I'll see you next year in Tampa, I'm gonna try to make plans to go next year. I was kind of getting the details of it for me to go this year, just didn't work out. But uh, really fun to hear per- the perspective of uh, covering the game, and always fun to chat with you. Okay, Derek, anytime now. You bet. Sounds good. Ryan O'Halloran, Denver Post with us again. He's a West Fargo native, covers the Broncos, but also covers the Super Bowl. Coming up, we have Wild Hockey. 645 is the pregame show against the Chicago Blackhawks and the State of the Union address to follow. Paul Eatlines will take you right up to that here. On the Mighty 790 KFGO, this has been Couch Potato Radio.